0: And it's time for This Is My Story with Trinity Chapel Church and Reverend Charlene Lauver. Good morning. Good morning. Good Friday morning, City of Du Bois and surrounding communities. I am Charlene Lover, pastor of Trinity Chapel Du Bois, inviting you to journey along with me with a message on Why Must We Be Born Again? Let's begin with the scripture passage of a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, found in John 3, 1 through 21. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, "'Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again.' "'How can someone be born when they are old?' Nicodemus asked. "'Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born.' Jesus answered, "'Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God "'unless they are born of water and the Spirit.' We have heard Jesus say in John 3, 7, you must be born again. And in John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, being born again is the only way. Heaven and hell are hanging in the balance. We will not see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. But why? But why is it so necessary? Why isn't some other remedy sufficient, like turning over a new leaf, or moral improvement, or going to church, or being baptized, or giving to charity, or just simply by being a good person? Why this radical, spiritual, supernatural thing called new birth or regeneration? That's the question what is our diagnosis? We are dead. In Ephesians 2, 1, 4, and 5, Paul says that we are dead in our trespasses. Verse 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Verse 4 and 5, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, makes us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So two times Paul describes us as dead. Hearing Paul's words, we could say it this way. Apart from new birth, we are the walking dead. Dead implies lifeless, not physically or morally lifeless. Verse 1, we are walking and following the world. We have passions of the flesh and we carry out desires of the body and mind. So we are not dead in the sense that we can't sin. We are dead in the sense that we cannot see or feel the glory of Christ. We are spiritually dead. We are unresponsive to God and Christ and the word of God. So let's discuss why the new birth is necessary. So the question is, what does this mean, this deadness? There are several answers in the New Testament if we consider them honestly and prayerfully. They will humble us very deeply and cause us to be amazed at the gift of the new birth. Allow me to share the biblical explanations of our condition apart from the new birth and why it is so necessary apart from the new birth. We are by nature children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 3. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The point of this is to make clear that our problem is not just in what we do, but in who we are. Apart from new birth, I am my problem. You are not my main problem. My parents are or were not my main problem. My enemies are not my main problem. I am my main problem. Not my deeds and not my circumstances and not the people in my life. But my sin nature is my deepest personal problem. I did not first have a good nature and then do bad things and get a bad nature. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51 5. This is who I am. My nature is selfish and self-centered and demanding and very skilled in making you feel like the problem. And if your first response to that statement is this... I know people like that. You may be totally blind to the deceitfulness of your own heart. Mm -hmm. Paul describes our nature before the new birth as children of wrath. In other words, the wrath of God belongs to us the way a parent belongs to a child. Our nature is so rebellious and so selfish and so callous towards the majesty of God that his holy anger is a natural and right response to us. Apart from the new birth, we love darkness and hate the light. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. John three nineteen through 20. This word from Jesus spells out some of what our nature is like apart from the new birth. We are not neutral when spiritual light approaches. We resist it. We are not neutral when spiritual darkness envelops us. We embrace it. Love and hate are active in the unregenerate heart. And they move in exactly the wrong directions, hating what should be loved and loving what should be hated. Apart from the new birth, our hearts are hard like stone the word says in ezekiel 36:26 i will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh here in ephesians 4:18 paul traces our condition back through darkness to alienation to ignorance to the hardness of heart They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. At the bottom of our problem is not ignorance. There is something deeper, the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Our ignorance is guilty ignorance, not innocent ignorance. It is rooted in hard and resistant hearts, Paul says in Romans 1.18 that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Ignorance is not our biggest problem. Hardness and resistance is. Apart from the new birth, we are unable to submit to God or please God. In Romans 8.7, Paul says, The mind that is set on the flesh literally, the mind of the flesh, is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. His point is that without the Holy Spirit, our minds are so resistant to God's authority that we will not and therefore cannot submit to him. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And if we cannot submit to him, we cannot please him. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That is how dead and dark and hard we are towards God until God causes us to be born again. Apart from the new birth, we are unable to accept the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul gives us another glimpse into what this deadness and hardness implies for what we are unable to do. He says, The natural person, that is, those in bondage to the sin nature, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The problem is not that the things of God are over our head intellectually, the problem is that one sees them as foolish. He does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. In fact, they are so foolish to him that he cannot go grasp them. When Paul says the natural person is not able to understand them, he means that the heart is so resistant to receiving them that the mind justifies the rebellion of the heart by seeing them as foolish. This rebellion is so complete that the heart really cannot receive the things of the spirit. The natural person cannot because he will not. His preference for sin are so strong that he cannot choose good. It is real and terrible bondage due to a rebellious, hardened heart against the things of the Spirit. Apart from the new birth, we are unable to come to Christ or embrace Him as Lord. In 1 Corinthians 12:3, Paul declares, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that an actor... On a stage or a hypocrite in a church cannot say the words, Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. He means no one can say it and mean it without being born of the Spirit. It is morally impossible for the dead, dark, hard, resistant heart to celebrate the Lordship of Jesus over his life without being born again. Or as Jesus says three times in John 6, no one can come to him unless the Father draws him. And when that drawing brings a person into living connection with Jesus, we call it the new birth. All that the Father gives me will come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. All of these wonderful works of drawing, granting, and giving are the work of God. Without the Spirit, we do not come to Christ because our sin nature keeps us apart from God to desire his pursuing us. Our hardened heart sets us apart from him, Apart from the new birth, we are slaves to sin. Paul celebrates our liberation from slavery to sin by thanking God for it. He says in Romans 6, 17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. We were once so in love with sin that we could not leave it or kill it. Then something happened. The new birth happened. God caused us to get a new spiritual life, a new nature that hates sin and loves righteousness. And so Paul thanks God, not man, for this great liberation. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Until God awakens us from spiritual death and gives us the life that finds joy in killing sin and being holy, we are slaves and cannot get free. That's why the new birth is necessary. Apart from new birth, we are slaves of Satan. This is one of the terrible things about spiritual deadness. Our deadness is not unresponsive to the devil. It is perfectly in tune with the devil. Listen to the way Paul describes our deadness in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. You are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In other words, the mark of the unregenerate person is that their desires and choices come into one accord with the prince of the power of the air. The unregenerate may scoff at the very idea of a devil. And of course, nothing is more in line with the father of lies than the denial that he exists. But the bondage to the devil is most clearly mentioned in Second 2 Timothy 2:24 2, through26. This is an exhortation to ministers about how to liberate people from the bondage of the devil. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently, enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. When Paul says, that God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, that is virtually what happened in the new birth. And here's the key to liberating people from the captivity of the devil. God grants repentance. That is, he awakens the life that sees the ugliness and danger of sin and the beauty and worth of Christ, and that truth sets the prisoner free. That's how people are set free from the devil. And until God does that miracle of new birth, we stay in bondage to the father of lies. Apart from new birth, no good thing dwells in me. Now, this is a statement that is unintelligible to the unregenerate who know good and well that they do many good things and that they could do much more evil than they do. The statement makes no sense that there is no good in us before new birth without the conviction that everything good that God has made and that God sustains is ruined when it is not done in reliance on God's grace and in pursuit of God's glory. So, of course, in one sense, the human person, the soul, the mind, the heart, the brain, the eye, the hand, and the human social structures, marriage, family government business are all good god made them ordains them sustains them it is right that they exist but they all exist for the glory of god god commands that we love him with all our heart and soul and mind matthew 22:37 he commands that we use all that he has made by relying on his grace and in order to show his worth, 1 Peter 4.11. Where people use all that God has made without relying on his grace and without aiming to show his worth, they prostitute God's creation. They make it the instrument of unbelief. And they ruin it. So when Paul says in Romans 7, 18, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. This is the reason why he adds the qualifier. That is in my flesh. There is something good in Paul after the new birth. Faith is Good. The Holy Spirit is good. The new spiritual nature is good. Growing holiness is good. But in his flesh, that is, in the person he is by nature apart from the new birth, there is no good thing. All that was created good is ruined by being made the servant of man-centered concerns not God-centered concerns. This was our tenfold condition apart from the new birth. Apart from regeneration we are to use the words of Paul in Ephesians 2:12 separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is why we must be born again. Without the new birth, our condition is hopeless, and we cannot fix it with moral improvement. We, the walking dead, need one thing before anything else can happen. We must be made alive. We must be born again. What is God's remedy? God made us alive in him. And the remedy is Ephesians 2, 5. God made us alive. You will never experience the fullness of the greatness of God's love for you if you don't see his love in relation to your former deadness. Because verse 4 says that the greatness of his love is shown precisely in this, that it makes us alive when we were dead. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Because of his great love for us, he made us alive. If you don't know that you were dead, you will not know the fullness of the love of God. I take this miracle. He made us alive to be virtually the same as what Jesus calls the new birth. Once we had no spiritual life, and then God raised us up from that state of spiritual deadness, and now we are alive. This is the same as Jesus is saying that we must be born of the Spirit, and it is the Spirit who gives life. John six sixty three, New Covenant Love. So we can say then that the work of the new birth, the work of being made alive flows from the richness of God's mercy and the greatness of his love. But God, being rich in mercy because of great love, which he has shown us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This is the new covenant love. This is the kind of love God has for his bride. He finds her dead. Ezekiel sixteen four through 8 and he gives his son to die for her, and then he makes her alive, and he keeps her forever. I give them eternal life, Jesus said, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 28. Today I call upon you to open your hearts and minds to turn to Christ and be born again. Jesus calls out to you, saying, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You are... Must be born again. Let us bow our heads as I pray the sinner's prayer. Father, I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins in Jesus' name. I repent and turn from sinning and doing wrong right now. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for my sin, and I accept his payment. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart right now and be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer and coming into my heart and saving me according to your word. I love you, Lord, and I ask you to seal me in the blood of Jesus and help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear listeners, Today I have shared with you the answer to the question, if you were about to leave this world heaven-bound figuratively and the Lord gave you 25 minutes to share your final words, what would you want for those you love to hear as your final testament? And I have done so with you this very day from my heart to yours. You must be born again. Here ends our final podcast of this is my story we have come to an end or is it please hold us in your prayers as we hold you in ours as we walk in obedience to follow his heart and will for our journey ahead to god be the glory forever and ever amen